Hi there guys and welcome to today's live stream. We're gonna be talking all about why going uphill when we're doing walking is going to contribute and potentially in a lot of cases, make your lower back pain worse, particularly at the segments we're talking about down here, L4, 5, and then also the one underneath L5, S1. So hopefully this live stream is gonna give you a good understanding of why that is and why you need to feed it in maybe later in part of your rehabilitation process. So hopefully it's gonna be really helpful. If you are new to the channel, please do consider subscribing. We do these live streams every single weekday. Uh, at the end of all the live streams, we do the Q&A, as you well know. So if you've got any questions on today's topic, maybe it's about going up and down hills, maybe it's other topics related to back pain, then please do post those in the comments underneath and we'll get to those questions at the end. Lara's the other side of the camera, so she's noting those down. So please do put those in as we go through. With that being said, let's get into today's live So we've got uh, today a little guest to just demonstrate very simply uh, the differences in global anatomy when we are walking uphill. Many of you will have seen this before on some of our live streams. This guy here from Ikea. Essentially, when we're walking along on flat surfaces, we can walk in an erect position, good posture, nice and straight, nice and neutral. When we're walking uphill, if we remain in that position, we tend to fall backwards. And obviously that is a very, very steep hill. But as we walk uphill, we counterbalance by leaning forwards. And that, as you can tell, does not look particularly good for the lower back down here. And what we really wanna talk about today is what impact that's gonna have in the discs and why actually sometimes, as I've written on the board here, it won't necessarily immediately give you back pain. I know we did see the other day, I think in preemption of this particular live stream, uh, someone mentioning in the group that actually walking uphill makes me feel better at the time or something to that effect. And we'll also explain why that might be as well, but why in most cases where we've got L45 or L5S1 back issues, it is going to be making that underlying issue worse. So let's jump over into the board. Essentially what's happening when we have a neutral position to the spine, when the person's walking along in a relatively upright position with good posture. And so important to mention, some of you when you initially have back pain will not be walking in that erect posture, which is why walking is so challenging. So it's worth bearing that in mind as well. But when we're in that nice neutral position, we have equal pressure through the discs in their entirety. And if we have an injury, it's generally going to be in the back portion of the discs over here. Maybe some of the, the annulus fibrosis, we have some minor annular tears or annular fissures. Those are the sorts of things that might be mentioned on an MRI. Or maybe we've got some posterior ligaments, uh, This the, the interspinous ligaments or the posterior longitudinal ligament, basically the structures that support the natural lordosis. Maybe some of those on the back here are ruptured or damaged as well, slightly torn, injured, and that is what is giving you that source of back pain. And this is why we try and get you guys when you are walking around to be as, in as good a posture as possible because that equalizes the pressure throughout the segment and doesn't expose or target force and pressure onto certain structures. It's important to bear in mind most of us that injure our backs either repetitively over the years or with a one-off trauma, it tends to involve that forward bending position, that flexion, whether it's repetitively sat in a chair as we mentioned the other day on the live stream, that flexion posture, increasing the length of the posterior part, the back part of the vertebra uh, by 20% uh, in the lumbar spine. Maybe it's a long duration of sitting, or maybe it's other active, active postures that have led to that sort of back pain uh, and that injury to the lower back. But when we're stood in an erect position, everything is nice and neutral. And that's, again, as we, uh, why we encourage you guys to walk along on the flat surfaces to begin with. 
when we're walking uphill, our anatomy changes. And as I demonstrated with the little model, we lean forwards. We have a slight forward bend in the lumbar spine. And it's also important to bear in mind outside of the lumbar spine, we've got more exertion on the muscular system. So invariably, especially those that have uh, more severe back pain, maybe it's been going on for a longer period and you've been inactive, you're going to have muscle fatigue as well. Your muscles aren't going to be, be as strong as they otherwise could be. So asking yourself to maybe even go up and down the stairs or up and down a hill is going to be more demand on those muscles. And that in of itself may be a challenge that is not necessarily considered in the, in, in the wider context before we go for the walk. Maybe you're not up to that yet. Maybe that's, you know, 102, 300%, 400% more exertion, physical exertion than you've done in six weeks. Well, that's going to be a big trouble if that is the case. So please bear that in mind when you're feeding in other activities. When we lean forwards, the mechanics on the spine change slightly, especially if we're then exerting more muscular contraction to drive us up that hill. Even more muscle contraction, as muscles contract, they compress the structures that are between them in order to get them to move. So that's another thing that we're not considering in this particular example that will make things worse. So as we lean forwards, we pinch on the front portion of the disc. The disc, as you'll have remembered from numerous other live streams, if you've joined us before, it consists of this fluid in the middle and the purpose of this fluid is to maintain the height in the disc and then we've got the annulus fibrosis, the ligamentous type structure around the side which is demonstrated by these little lines here either side of the little ball in the middle. Now if we've got a, some tears, some injury to the annulus fibrosis or these ligaments here, it's going to drive this, this fluid in the middle, the nucleus pulposus, backwards. Many of you, if you've had MRIs, etc., you'll see that the disc is actually driven out backwards into the spinal canal, which is this part through here. And the action of leaning forwards as we're going up that hill is going to repetitively be going bang, 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 bang with each of those steps. Admittedly, uphill has slightly less impact than downhill, so do bear that in mind. But it's going to be driving pressure repetitively through into these injured ligaments, creating further stress. The other thing to note as we lean forwards is the ligaments on the back. Again, they're stretched, they're pulled taut. If, for example, we have a piece of cling film, if the cling film is very floppy, it's very difficult to cut the thing. It's very difficult to expose a weak point in that cling film and cause it to break. But if we hold that cling film really, really taut, we can almost poke it and the thing will rip apart. Well, think about that sort of analogy. It's not quite the same, but very, very similar. Here, we've got injuries already in that lower back in this particular region. And as we pivot forwards, we're pulling that cling film taut. And if there are any insufficiencies, any injuries, any tears, any minor degeneration or, or, or damage that's causing your back pain, then that's really going to be exposed as we lean forward. So very, very uh, relevant that we think about these things in the context of other examples that may be a bit more easy to picture because this is what's happening inside your body. And the reason that we've chosen L4-5 is more based on the x-rays that we do in the clinic. It's so common that this pivoting forwards tends to mostly affect the L4-5 when we're bending forwards. It's one of the ones alongside L5-S1, but there's a few other um, nuanced differences about L5-S1, which is just underneath. But L4-5 is also common to be subject to this incredible forward flexion that can occur when we are going uphill or bending forwards or sitting badly. So very, very relevant here. What this does is creates a low grade of inflammation or a greater grade of inflammation, depending on the severity of the issue. And that occupies this space here. This is the exit foramina. This is where the nerves come out and maybe they go down the legs. So as you're going up that hill, you might find you get a bit of nerve pain down the legs, etc. as inflammation and irritation starts to build up. Now, it's worth here mentioning the 
the, the question that I touched on earlier in the live stream was, well, actually walking up the hill makes me feel better. I, I don't have pain when I walk up the hill. It's great. Uh, it's, it's later in the day or my back pain doesn't seem to get better. But if I walk up a hill, it feels OK. Why is that? Well, in the more chronic cases, you're not necessarily going to have quite the same inflammatory reaction. It's not going to be quite as, as violent as maybe someone who's got a more recent injury. So things like going up the stairs when you've just injured back can be real, real trouble. But when it's chronic, it may not be so bad, you leaning forwards and going up the stairs. And why is that? Well, you, many of you will have noticed the size difference in this space where this blue bit, this blue bit is the nerve that comes out, okay? The L45 nerve. As we lean forwards, that space increases in size. So if we've got a little bit of damage or some chronic damage there, the inflammatory reaction that lower back as you lean forwards and are causing further stress on those tissues is not going to be as vigorous necessarily as the acute back pain sufferer. So you will be making the back pain worse, even though at the time, because you increase the size of that hole, it actually creates more space and therefore the inflammation buildup in this area here is not going to build up as fast because it has to, in order to reach a critical mass that it occupies maybe 75% for argument's sake of that space, it's going to take longer if the space is bigger. So you'll actually find that it doesn't make you feel so bad at all when you're going uphill. This is the same sort of concept that happens around the knee hugs and the other exercises that we really encourage you guys to avoid. When things are a little bit more chronic, these things can actually feel good. But if we dissect the anatomy and the, and the academics around what is happening in your body, how are you stressing the structures in your spine, and then uh, superimposing that on top of the context of what's actually going wrong in the first instance, is this making it better or worse, even though it might feel good at the time? Very, very important to have that academic discussion with yourself. Maybe not out loud, because you might sound a bit crazy while you're doing that walking up a hill or going to walk up a hill, but have that discussion, have that thought process, because it allows you to more effectively identify what tasks might or might not be good for you. Now, I think it's worthwhile just because we are talking about going up and up hills. Generally, if you're going up a hill, you're going to have to come down a hill. So what, what, what might you feel there? Quite often, there's a few things to consider. Number one, when we're going downhill, it's no good us leaning forwards because we will end up on our face. So we have to lean backwards, maybe not quite that far. The process of leaning backwards does exactly the opposite. It closes this hole a little bit more. Whoops. It closes that hole a little bit more. And therefore, if there is any low-grade inflammation in this region, it's going to intensify any discomfort there. So quite often we can get a bit of sciatic-type symptoms down the leg if we are, if we are, um, if we are going downhill. So that's something as well to bear in mind. It can make the symptoms a little bit worse when we're going downhill. Plus, of course, the impact of, of going down the hill tends to be a little bit greater because we tend to heel strike a little bit more rather than land on our toes as we're going up the hill. So hopefully that really makes sense to you guys in terms of what's going on when you're going up the hill. Gives you a bit of food for thought. Our general recommendation for you guys, if you've got back pain, whether it's chronic or acute, go through those things that we discussed in the phase one of the Back in Shape program. The simple stretches to make sure that our hips are nice and mobile or as mobile as they can be and the muscles are nice and pliable in a balanced way. Do the towel exercise, the decompression exercise at home so it unloads these discs in a more uniform structure, in a more uniform way like this, in a way that resembles that lordosis. Do the icing because it helps reduce the inflammation in your lower back and do those core engagement exercises to help learn to re-engage and provide support for this little midsection here so that it's not as vulnerable for the long term and then work on building up some strength and stability as you go forward from there so hopefully that's been helpful if we go on to questions okay brilliant morning everybody please do pop your questions in into the comments and we'll get to those in a little bit um i had a question if somebody has 
um, let's say like a spondylolisthesis or something like that, are they more vulnerable when walking uphill or downhill? And is there anything that they could do, maybe engaging the core or something like that to make to, to protect their spines a little bit more? Well, one of the things is learning about the movement pattern. So you can see in the example here, this guy moves very, very badly, but he moves like a lot of people in so much as he bends from the, from the waist, essentially. That's a lumbar flexion, rather than sticking his bum out and essentially being walking up the hill like that. Because in that position, walking up the hill, his spine is actually quite straight, rather than being in that position going up the hill. So if you do have any of these more, more sinister vulnerabilities in the spine, sometimes actually the spondylolisthesis can really just harden up and they just stay there. They don't move very much at all and it becomes slightly slightly less of an issue for the long term, especially if it's managed well. Might just be worth going through what a spondylolisthesis is. So a, sp a spondylolisthesis is essentially, you see that this vertebra, if we just ruin this one here, this vertebra here is in alignment with the, the one underneath. It actually com commonly occurs at 5S1 and then also 4-5 is where 5 slips forwards on S1. What essentially happens is this whole thing shifts forward, so now it becomes over here. Everything's moved forwards a little bit and you can see that there, that obviously creates issues here. It's, it's, it's not, not, not a particularly good one. It can happen in a degenerative manner or it can happen if there's some sort of defect in the structure uh, since birth. Um, so many people that have this will have had a defect since they've been born and it's just something that's slowly developed over time. But by engaging your core and providing stability through that spine and learning to bend correctly from the hip joint rather than from the back, we are going to set our spine up in a better position. The spine when loaded in its natural lordotic position is actually very, very strong. It's designed and supported very, very well. So if we are going to be going uphill, unavoidably so, then actually engaging that core, bending from the hips rather than from the spine, it's going to be much, much easier for you. You don't actually feel those muscles engage. You'll feel them work harder. But one thing that's very important is when you do finish, get on the towel and make sure you do a little bit of stretching because it does engage your glutes and your hamstrings in particular and your calves when you're going uphill. And those muscles are gonna pull your bum under if they remain tight, they're gonna restrict that hip motion. So make sure after we've finished, maybe not immediately, but later that day, we do a little bit more work on the hamstrings, a little bit more work on the glutes, and a little bit of stretching of the calves, maybe on the bottom stair in your house, uh, will just do to just unload, just relax off some of those muscles. Uh, many of you guys will know exactly what to do in terms of the, the exercises that we normally recommend. So that's one worth bearing in mind for the future. Okay, brilliant. Um, Sally's just asked here, if you're progressing through phase three and starting to feel more comfortable walking on um, on the level, when is it okay to start walking on less of a level or even or, or just uneven terrain? Um, is there a need to hold the core even tighter when walking off level? I think when you're early on in sort of phase one and two, we do talk a lot about over overcompensating and over engaging the core just to really get 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 it in your head and also get that passive tone there but as you move into phase three i think you do want to be a bit more cautious the same way you would be if you're walking on an uneven surface or if you're walking on a boat you'd be more mentally aware of where you're placing your feet and what you're doing so there's definitely mm. uh rationale if you're walking on an uneven surface or a little bit of up and down to be a little bit more aware the, the biggest part of it is like i mentioned a moment ago is is being aware of the movement pattern mentally engage I'm walking uphill, so I need to bend from my hips rather than my spine. And that will go a long way. That's the main engagement. And then, yes, we want to have that core on a little bit. And you'll feel like everything's just a little bit tighter, a little bit more stable, and a little bit more protected. Uh, but at the, at the phase three point of view, 
testing these sorts of things. I know some of the guys, um, I forget Sally, uh, for, for yourself, but live in lovely areas where you can go walking and really enjoy the surroundings, whether it's mm. on the beach, in the countryside, etc. Um, and it's best to test these things. But when should you test these new things, for example, maybe a, a slightly longer walk on the beach, for example, then we, we test them at a time when things are going well, at a time when we haven't made just made a jump up so maybe if you've just made a jump up to phase three now's not the time but after a week or two once you're really comfortable in maybe three sets of ten or four sets of ten or five sets of ten you're really comfortable at that level thinking about going up maybe that's the time that we want to consider a test because we've we've made a progress our body is adapted to that new stress of maybe the four sets of ten for example at level at, at phase three and and we haven't done anything abnormal i haven't had to go run you know running on an, lots of errands today today's an easy day i'm well uncomfortable into my phase three at four sets of 10, that would be the day to test one of these things. And you know about the treat protocol, test, rest, um, evaluate, and then adjust if necessary and then test again. So going through that particular process at a time when you're kind of on that plateau, ready to take a step up, would be a good day to do that. Then obviously have the rest of the next day, evaluate how it's been, and then you can consider whether you're gonna do that again. Maybe it was a one-off enjoyment thing and it's just given you the confidence to be able to do it. Um, and then you carry on with progression through your phase three, or it might be something that you want to feed in. And then that's something you can do as well. Maybe you do it once a week uh, to start with, if you manage to get away with a 10 minute, 15 minute, 20 minute walk, um, those sorts of things, that's that's the best way I'd test it. Okay, brilliant. But I would try and build up your tolerance along the flat to begin with. Okay, wonderful. I think that is everything for today. Just having a look through uh, some comments that have been left all about sciatica. So I'm thinking tomorrow we should probably do a, a, a live stream covering everything sciatica related. Yeah, yeah, yeah? sure. Yeah, okay. we'll do that. We'll do that. We'll cover a sciatica tomorrow. Hopefully oh, that's... Oh, go on. Sorry, Kate's just um, left a comment here. She's yeah, sure. going uphill and particularly up and down the stairs. Why does the sciatic pain and tightness travel to the heels and the shins? Is it because I've been doing the stretching exercises more as in the phase one and phase two? So if we're going up, don't necessarily get drawn up. That's a quite an important question, actually. Don't get drawn up with where down the leg the actual sciatica goes, whether it was back, whether it was back into the glute, etc. Those sorts of things aren't too important. It's just going to be, a, you know, it's, it's hitting slightly different parts of the nerve, etc. Uh, just because it's flared up in that way at that time or put pressure on it at that particular time. So that's not as important. But do definitely think about how we are making the movements up and down those stairs. Because we want to do, as I said, bend from the hips, maybe use the banister on the side as well to go up the stairs in a nice neutral position. That should be a lot easier as we're going up the stairs than if we're walking up the stairs rounding the back. So definitely, definitely consider that there. And if we're going up and down the stairs as a way of tra uh, training the legs and building up the legs as well, then we do want to make sure we are doing a little bit of stretching. Uh, maybe not immediately afterwards. Sometimes it's worthwhile. If we're going up and down the stairs once or twice for a little bit of a... Uh, a test if you will so to speak or a little bit of a workout a little bit of a challenge on those leg muscles don't necessarily uh, do the stretching immediately afterwards sometimes the towel is a little bit better to do immediately afterwards because you're relaxing and then doing the stretching maybe half an hour 40 minutes later once you've kind of taken the strain off your back a little bit uh, that's a nice little strategy for you and also bear in mind how many times are we doing that are we pushing the boundaries are we pushing uh, pushing the boat out with regards to the number of times we're going up and down the stairs as a mechanism to safely test those legs in an enclosed environment if we are we need to follow the same protocols if we've done it two times today but three times uh, three times tomorrow well that's quite a big jump up 50 percent increase uh, and you can't really uh, do part of the stairs as much i suppose you could potentially uh, but it's just 
just worth bearing that, that in mind. How are we progressing in terms of increasing the number of times we're doing that up and down the stairs is something to consider as well. Okay, awesome. Alex Bach just left a comment here. Just that my, con my consultant said that walking was the best thing for me. I've got chronic back problems. He also said core exercises. Yeah, so the good thing about that is we're doing the right core exercises in the back in shape from that point of view. Uh, the walking, we do want to, again, be mindful of trying to walk on the flat. That's great. Trying to make sure we're walking with that good posture upright. Maybe not quite upright. Like that, walking along like so, that's going to be really important because if we're walking forward, if we're walking leaning over, we're just doing this again, and mm. that's not going to be helpful. So we have to remember that, uh, you know, that 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 advice is pretty pretty good. Um, that's what needs to be done. And also the advice that you gave yesterday, talking about posture and how important that is yeah. for back pain. If anyone hasn't seen it, maybe just go back and have. Yeah, a definitely. You know, um, that one really does highlight because we talk about a few stats from from research papers in there. Uh, the twenty percent increase in length of the spinal canal, so the stretch we're putting through our nervous system and through all the muscles, ligaments, and tendons. As I mentioned, the cling film film analogy. If you've just joined us late, pulling that cling film taut really does isolate any areas that are torn, damaged, or injured. So we want to make sure we have that upright posture and also that slouching for extended periods if we're walking or sat down slouching for extended periods that is going to accelerate the rate at which our discs dehydrate during the day and that cumulatively can give rise to issues for the long term so we really want to be mindful of those things especially if we've got some other issues going on there with regards to any degenerational challenges in the spine specifically identified by MRIs or x-rays Okay, brilliant. Yes, so I think that is everything for today. Awesome. Well, it sounds like tomorrow we're doing sciatica then. Yeah, so, so hopefully that's going to be a helpful one. And, and when we talk about sciatica, it's any of that sort of nerve irritation at the lower back. We remember sciatica is down at four, five, and five S1 segments, but other segments can be irritated and it can go in different areas. So we'll talk about that in a lot more detail tomorrow. Hopefully it's going to be really helpful for you guys. Thank you as always for the questions. Thank you for joining us on today's live stream. And if you're one of the guys that watch us a little bit after the fact, maybe watching this later in the day because you're in a different time zone then still do post your comments in the comment section below whether it's on Facebook or YouTube because we do read those comments and like Clara's mentioned today we bring those up in other live streams so maybe we can answer yours if you can't quite make these live streams maybe it's one o'clock in the morning where you are so thanks for joining us guys we really appreciate it if you do find these helpful or know someone else that would benefit from this then please do consider sharing it with them and with that being said have a great afternoon everybody and we will see you tomorrow with another live stream